Rewind with Oisín Langan. This is the Rewind on News Talk. Coming up, Paddy Mulligan, as always, joins us to talk football. And we'll hear from Joe Schmidt, the Ireland coach, and uh, Wales Supremo Warren Gatland on the Six Nations opener between Ireland and Wales this Sunday at the Aviva. On Saturday, by the way, Ireland's women's side begin the defence of their title against the Welsh at Donnybrook. We'll hear from Jason Clean and Grania Dwyer on basketball cup final wins for their teams at Temple Oak and Glenmire. There's golf as we speak to Walker Cup star Gary Hurley about becoming a pro and the challenges that that brings. Plus, it was the opening weekend in the Allianz National Football League. We'll hear from Eamon Fitzmaurice, Jim Gavin, Stephen Rochford and Mick Lillis and Peter O'Leary, formerly of Leash, and Dermot Blake, formerly of Galway, We'll analyse Leash against Galway and uh, also we kind of look ahead to the year for those two teams with those two former inter-county players. We'll be featuring various teams uh, every week as the rewind makes its way through 2016. First up though, it's football. An ex-Chelsea defender Paddy Mulligan is with us. Paddy, John Terry on his way out of the club apparently, although the club say it's not a done deal. They may yet offer him a contract. Uh, Firstly... um, what do you make of the way Terry has handled this? He's gone public. I'm, I'm surprised that he hasn't been offered a new deal, to be perfectly honest with you, because he's still uh, Chelsea's probably Chelsea's best defender and one of the best centre-backs um, in the Premier League as well uh, at this moment in time. It's, it's quite incredible that he hasn't been offered a deal. I don't understand what's going on. I don't know whether he's after having a, a, a bust-up with some of the hierarchy there because he's very, very highly thought about Chelsea. And um, himself, Czech and Drogba, had a path to uh, to Abramovich uh, at Chelsea. So I don't know what's after happening, or whether he's he's jumped the gun, and they're in the process of offering him something. Because I find it strange that they've made a, a bit of a statement there uh, over the weekend saying that, um, well, they'll decide stuff when the new manager comes in. But they gave Ivanovic a contract last week, so they weren't waiting around to. To, to, to wait for the new manager to come in to give Ivanovic a, a contract. So I think that Terry is more valuable to Chelsea than what Ivanovic would be, and even even at, at his age. Um, so I'd be, I'd be very surprised if there's no U-turn here. Does this all depend on whether or not the manager has already been selected? The manager may already be in place. Be in place. We might know who it is, and he might think to himself, right, I want to get rid of Terry, I want to get rid of all those leaders in that dressing room, because they're fine if you get them onside. But it's kind of not worth taking the risk. <coughs> but management is about managing people. You know, yep. it's all very well having a big checkbook and go out and buy who you want to buy. But perhaps Terry is too strong a personality. But I, I would think as a, if a manager come in should be thrilled that they would have the likes of, of Terry as a leader. And, he, and he's, he's a born leader in, the, in that dressing room. Whether you like him or not, no matter what you might think of him, whether it was off the field activities and some of his on the field activities. But he is, he's, been, he's been immense for Chelsea Football Club. No question about that. A, a, a wonderful, wonderful centre-back and, and a wonderful leader. Now, some, some managers are afraid of players who, who speak their mind and who, and who lead. I certainly wouldn't put myself in, in, in that category, and I, I, I would, if I were a new manager going in there, I'd be embracing all of that. Well, because you, you just, you just can't buy yeah. the sort of experience that John Terry has. And if it is Pep Guardiola, which it's unlikely, it looks like he's going to City. But if it is him, he doesn't seem to mind leaders, so I, 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 I can't see him getting rid of him. But is this potentially damaging to Chelsea, regardless of who comes in? I mean, Terry, you could argue has been the glue that has held it all together regardless of who the manager has oh, been. Oh yes, when you look, when you, when you, when you look at it, when, when when you look at what the, what, what, what uh, the players that they had and who who have now gone Lampard, Drogba, Czech. Yeah. And now Terry. What four immense players to have 
in, in, in your team, uh, not alone in the squad, but actually, you know, uh, in, in the first 11 at all times. They allowed Checo very, very cheaply last summer. You know, mm-hmm. maybe that was another reason why Mourinho got, got very uppity and got, and, and got narked about stuff, that, that Abramovich went over his head and, and allowed Checo to, to their greatest rivals, Arsenal, uh, up, up in North London. So there's a, there appears to be an awful lot of, of, of turmoil in the background. I know in the forefront yeah. at Chelsea Football Club, and yes, I do think that it will 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 damage the club. No, I've no 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 doubt about that. They can't afford to yeah. let a, a fellow like John Terry go. It's as simple as that. Raf Diallo of Team Thirty Three and off the ball also with us. If he does go, he has said it won't be to another Premier League team. Raf, so no. Liverpool. I don't think they're going to be relegated. I don't, I don't think Liverpool fans would be yeah, too happy to have him either, given uh, what, they, what I guess they think about him. Yeah. I, I, I think that. Um, <laughs> listen, lads, there's many jokes that we could crack, but we'll leave it there. Um, Raf, what about John Terry? He said he won't go to another Premier League. Let's reiterate that he won't go to another Premier League club. Yeah. America looks a likely destination. Yeah, it does, because you look at Drogba ended up there um, with Montreal Impact. Lampard has been there with uh, New York City, even though it took him a while to actually take to the field with them mm-hmm. uh, seeing as he decided he'd come back on loan to City but uh, generally that seems to be the way like the, there's always two options now at the moment China seems to be grabbing a lot of players but they're kind of going for like a second tier of players so your Gervinho's and so yeah. on they're not the they're not that legend status whereas the Drogba's the Terry's the Gerrard's the Ashley Coles are all going to the States so there's plenty of clubs to pick from there if that's what happens but I have a feeling we haven't heard the last of them at Chelsea yet I think there might be Maybe some offer will be made, um, or at least Chelsea will make an attempt to make an offer. Whether it's good enough for Terry, who knows? Could be another twist, couldn't there? Could well be. Very, yeah, very, very. The statement very that easy. came out this weekend where they kind of said it's not necessarily over yet. I think tells its own yeah, story in a sense. Know, but again, Raph, they shouldn't. Have, they shouldn't have gone to that no. distance. You know, it's 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 crazy that they allowed that situation to uh, to develop. Yeah, I want to talk to you about um, the Premier League games over the week. Because tomorrow night, if you're listening to this on Monday, if you're listening on Tuesday, it's tonight. Uh, Arsenal take on Southampton, Palace up against Bournemouth, Leicester against Liverpool, Manchester United against Stoke, Norwich against Spurs, Sunderland taking on City, West Brom up against Swansea, West Ham taking on Villa. Then there's games on Wednesday night as well. Everton against Newcastle and Watford against Chelsea. Big game in the Championship, by the way. Derby up against Preston. We'll talk to you about uh, Derby's Irish players in just a few moments because we've actually got a decent look at them in the last couple of weeks, uh, two games in a week, both live on TV and you watch them both, I know. Uh, but look, let's start with uh, Leicester hosting Liverpool. It's unlikely Liverpool are going to land a striker in the transfer window as we speak. That uh, window's still open. Is Jurgen Klopp right to, to hang on if he can't get what he wants or if he's being charged too much for Teixeira? Is he right to hang on and just oh, yeah, do no, what he can until the end of the season? Yes, no club should be held to ransom as, uh, as is happening now in, in, in this uh, Teixeira uh, situation. And Klopp is quite right to go and say, no, we're not going to pay, we're not going to pay daft money um, for, for a player. Yes, we want him, but not at, not at the price that, that uh, is being quoted to him. So no, he's, he's dead right. Irrespective of whether uh, um, Liverpool are short on strikers this moment in time, um, is immaterial. You know, you got to you got to stick to your principles, stick to your guns. And I'm delighted to see that Klopp is doing this because otherwise, it just becomes a. It has become an awful market, and 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 people are prepared to go and pay ridiculous uh, money. Now it's about time that that somebody stood up and said, "No, we call a halt here. We're not paying any. We're not going to pay over the odds again." Because they know that Liverpool are in a bit of a desperate situation for a striker, so now they try they they try and then up up the ante right to right to the very last um, pound and and. Uh, I, I I admire Klopp for saying no. We're not going to do that. 
Yeah, Liverpool could do with a striker, but truthfully, could do with three. Yeah, no, but that, like I'd be more worried about their defense if I were if I were Klopp. Like that'd be the first thing. <laughs> You've already all over the field. Yeah, no, when you're a Liverpool you, supporter, yeah, I when can you have, show you when you have your Sackos and your Lovrens and your you know your your skirt Skirtle's the best of a fairly bad bunch. You yeah. know that's where they really. No, need. don't forget Moreno. <laughs> yeah, well, a classy yeah, left I back. I don't know if he can even be classed as a defender at this point, but. Uh, you know, that's where he needs to invest quite a lot of the cash that's available to him. I know up front there are issues with Benteke, but maybe in the summer he can be moved on or and they will get a decent fee for him. Yeah. Um, they've got Firmino playing up there as a kind of false nine. He's done okay in some games and gone missing so, in others. Yeah, less so in others. Yeah. But there thing there things are fixable there potentially and maybe if Sturridge actually makes it back onto the field, which okay, yeah. it doesn't look likely at this point. Um, but you know, if that happens, that's like the proverbial new player. Now, I see a few people in in, in, yeah. the, in the British media were blaming Klopp for for being too strict on Sturridge. Sturridge's history, going back to Chelsea as a young lad, has been the very very same. Nothing has changed. As soon as he, as soon as there's a threat of a game that Sturridge is a play in, yeah. he has he has some imaginary injury. As I'm beginning to perceive. Right, well, worryingly right today, now. Phil Thompson was on News Talk Breakfast, and he said, "Look, if anyone knows what's going on with this guy, please tell me." That's worrying when Phil oh, Thompson, yeah. who's who's always in the know, yeah. he always has the knowledge, even if he doesn't give us that knowledge to protect Liverpool. It, it's worrying that he's just saying no one seems to know, no one can figure it out. No, I think I I, I think that it, that there's no player worth a salt ever plays yeah. be they amateur or professional 100% fit it's actually impossible I think in my own career if I, if I played two or three games 100% fit with no niggle at all I think that was probably about it and you yeah. go through the pain barrier and you have to go through the pain barrier yeah. whether, whether you like it or not and I don't think he's prepared to because he, has a, he, he appears to be in, in a comfort zone all of his own and it's a great pity because there's a wonderful talent there but there's no point in having the talent if you don't, if you don't work at it. Now I said I wanted to talk about this week's fixtures in the Premier League. I'm kind of talking around them rather than about them. Mark Hughes seems to have a relatively decent managerial record. Yet when we talk about Van Gaal replacements, he's never mentioned. Is that strictly because he's managed City or quite rightly so? No, 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 no. I don't think I don't think he's he's he's, he's a good manager. Just Why? Been, well, they've just been knocked out of two cups in the past four days for a start. You would have thought that he would have been smarting after being knocked yeah. out by Liverpool on, on, on penalties on Wednesday. And they were a little bit unlucky on the night. Got his tactics right, though. But over, he? yes, but over, he didn't get his tactics right at the Britannia. Yeah. That's when he should have been playing uh, um, Crouch up front and, and, and Walters. Yeah. And, he fa- and he failed to do that. And then all of a sudden, after the horse had bolted, he said, oh yeah, I better try that at Anfield. Liverpool are one up. Should have been, should have been three up at the Britannia. Game should have been, uh, the match should have been over. Well and truly over. And, and Liverpool, as is their wont these days, yeah, let teams back in. And that's all that happened with, with Stoke. And they, they had nothing to lose. Go to Anfield and, and try and win. And, and, and they won 1-0 over the 90 minutes and then lost out in the penalties. Then they go to Palace on, on, on Saturday and get, uh, get dumped out of the FA Cup. Now, what a, what a three or four days that was. So that's when, that's when a manager really earns his, 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 his corn. When, when they've been disappointed or get knocked out of the League Cup, you've got to pick them back up again and get down to Palace and at the very worst, take them to a replay, get them back up to Britannia and that didn't happen. Stoke are now gone so they'll, they'll play for maybe a mid-table. So Mark Hughes, to me, when you go to Man United, the expectation, or you go to Liverpool or Chelsea or, or Arsenal, Man City, the expectation is so high. It's not about just competing, it's about winning competitions. At Man United, it's about winning the, the, the Premier League. It's about winning the Champions League. 
Now he he won't he would I don't believe that he's a manager capable of delivering any of that for Man United. And the same, just talk about Ryan Giggs. I wouldn't I wouldn't I'd, the first thing I'd do if I, I if I was a manager if I was a manager I was in line for that Man United job. The first person to be gone from the club will be Ryan Giggs. Let him go off and learn 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 the the trade. Yeah. Gone the, because you want it. It's like the, the 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 caring parent throwing their child out into the world. They want them to learn. They're doing it out of love. And maybe then they can come back. Get out, get out into the big bad world and see yeah. what, see what it's all like. Gary Neville now is finding all this out in, in Valencia. It's all very well uh, uh, sitting in a studio as we are now as well, and and, and pontificating about yeah, well, I'm what not should be done. For a job in management <laughs> anyway, so I'll happily pontificate. Raph is quite happy with that. Listen, lads, just before I let in you go, let, let's talk about Derby because they've got a strong Irish contingent. Three players involved in the last kind of couple of games: one in the league, one in the cup, losing to Manchester United in the cup. Um, Richard Kyo, we kind of know a lot, of, a lot about him. Jeff Hendrick, we've seen flashes. Cyrus Christie has done well when he's played for Ireland, but uh, you weren't particularly impressed with him. No, I wasn't. Pre- I wasn't no, no, Martial is a, is a bit of a handful now to try and catch hold of as well. But um, having said that, his positional play was was, was very very poor the other night. Maybe he panicked because Martial was was primarily playing out wide, uh, wide in the left. And, and drifting but just very very base things letting the runner go you can't do, you, you know as he found you just can't do stuff like that yeah. uh, not getting the tackle in not having his angles right so he just had a, he just had a bit of a, a rough night and and I'm not going to judge him on, on, on just that one game that can that can absolutely happen to uh, to anybody um, Jeff Hendrick came on as a sub and, and did nothing what disappointed yeah, me that he used the ball well yeah but disappointed with Jeff Hendrick well. when, when the ball when, when, when he lost the ball yeah. he didn't bother getting back you can't you can't just do stuff like that. I mean, Martin O'Neill will will see that and he'll say, "Well, if you're playing, is that a regular thing for him, or was Ireland, that just?" Well, I've seen him do that a few times. Seen him doing that in the Irish setup as well. So I'd be a little bit I'd be a little bit concerned about that. And it appeared to me when he came on the sub that he was sulking because he didn't start. That was the body language was that was coming out to me. So Jeff, you know, you you, all, you can't start every game, and and he hasn't been starting every game either, but. You know, you've got to learn, and if you're on the bench and you go on, you go and show the manager what you're made of, and 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 uh, that that's really your your starting point. Richard Coe, what you get, Richard Coe, unfortunately had 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 certainly had a, a bad night against Burnley. Um, yeah. Derby were very very poor, hammered four one, and they were very very poor. He scored an OG and gave away. Penalty. Ah, yeah, well that yeah that, that can happen, but then he seemed to lose his confidence and seemed to lose his concentration levels and forgot about what what, what as a, de- a good defender would do. Forgot about marking people. Um, and, and making yeah. sure that it, it didn't happen to him again that he wasn't going to be caught out of position and, and unfortunately for the night he wasn't the only one all of the Derby team were all over the place last Monday night as, as they were a little bit against Man United okay. but you didn't expect that against Man United but not against Burnley OK, Raf Diallo of Team 33 and off the ball and Paddy Mulligan as always thanks for joining us on The Rewind Pleasure Thanks very much this is the Rewind on News. So still to come, Jason Colleen and Gronia Dwyer reflect on Cup Final Weekend in basketball and we look ahead to Ireland's Six Nations opener with Wales this Sunday. First though, it's the Allianz Football League and Kerry manager Eamon Fitzmaurice hasn't hidden his disappointment after Saturday's opening night defeat to Dublin in Crow Park, 2-14 to 14 points. We'll hear from Fitzmaurice in just a moment. But first, here is Dublin manager Jim Gavin on Paul Mannion's return to the forwards. He was away all last year. He was studying in China and... He's also been speaking about Mick Fitzsimons' performance at fullback. Remember, Dublin looking for an anchor tenant there after Rory O'Carroll's departure for the entirety of 2016. Yeah, I thought it would be good structure in defence. I thought Mike Fitzsimons did, uh, did very well. He's a, an extremely uh, influential, influ- influential player in, in the, in the, um, amongst the players. He's a lot of experience, a lot of silverware, a lot of medals. Uh, that he's won all Ireland's and National Leagues and Leinster titles. So uh, 
and a very uh, intelligent player because great, he's, he's great game sense. So thought he did well. And uh, Paul is just back. You know, he, he's um, was away last year studying in UCD for a BCom uh, in Mandarin, uh, which uh, I'd say is a challenge in itself. <laughs> but uh, you know, he went away to, to China and for talking to him, it seems to be like it was a fantastic life experience. And something we always tell the players is, is uh, that their exams, their education at that age is the most important thing for sport will always be there for them and uh, you know he's come back and he, he's, he's very fresh he's very hungry for football um, and the form he displayed tonight was what we saw last November when he played for his club Kilmco Croaks in the, the back end of the, of the other football league in Dublin so um, it's good to have him back Our attitude wasn't where it needed to be or that determination that you'd expect or the hurt that you'd expect to be visible um, particularly when we played so poorly in the All-Ireland final last year, you'd have expected to have seen a bit more desire there tonight. But um, I think some of the lads showed it and we saw flashes of it at times, but consistently not enough. You know, we didn't have, have enough of that throughout the team. Uh, training has gone well the last couple of weeks. We mightn't have a huge pile done, but the training has been good. There's been a very positive vibe around the squad. Um, there's been a bit of freshness there with, with Liam and Padre coming in as well. So from that point of view, I think the preparation has been as good as it could be expected. But um, it's hard to explain why we didn't have a bit more bite about us really tonight. Um, it's something we'll have to try and figure out this week. But, uh, you know, look, there's a big picture there. We're not going to be getting carried away yet. We have to um, try and address a few of those issues this week and get a big reaction and hopefully a decent performance next weekend uh, against Roscommon and Killarney. Roscommon opened their Division 1 campaign with a loss to Monaghan at Kiltoom. 210 to 19 the final score. After the match, joint manager Fergal O'Donnell spoke to Shannon Side FM about uh, what lessons he hopes the players have learned from their first match at a higher grade. Disappointed, but um, at the end of the day, they didn't play well enough in, in, in the game to get anything out of it. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's absolutely crazy what we did in the last minute. Do you know, when we got like, we might in the hell out, to be honest. Do you know what I mean? But to give away that last goal, do you know, it's just it's criminal. It's unbelievable. Like, you know, you make these mistakes, and like the lads are disappointed themselves, but you can't make the, those mistakes at any level. You're going to get punished. You know, we were hanging on, like, but we played with a good bit of heart. You know, we could have the goal chance in the first. Do you know what I mean? Like, in the second half, there, Finton just went over the bar. Do you know, we're unlucky to lose by four. You know what I mean? But, uh, Listen, we carried the ball into traffic. We were turned over. We, you know, we, you know, we met, we met, we, we met it hard on ourselves. Is that the difference in Division One? You'll be punished. Well, I'd say, I suppose. Listen, you look at the last ball. McArdle kicked over the bar there. Like, you know, you know, we were wondering how we did so much space. Like, when the boys said he just threw one of our boys in the ground. You know, our lads have to smarten up that that happens at this level. You know, and today we we're a bit naive. You know, I thought maybe one or two of the decisions. You know, listen, they were a bit borderline. I thought he, you know, he. You know, he didn't give us any easy ones. You know, there was one or two, but again, we just weren't smart enough today, and we paid the price. First half, pretty dominant. Six points up at half time. Happy enough with that? Yeah, but I suppose wouldn't wouldn't be happy like the way we defended. Like, listen, we conceded a goal after three minutes. You know, we had a sweeper back there. And, you know, his job to protect. I have to see that goal again. The the first goal, obviously, the second one's a sickener. But um, see the first goal, we didn't defend it well enough. Do you know? And it's it's disappointing. But as I said, we didn't we played, made too many mistakes in the second half. And you make those mistakes, you pay the price. In what could be seen as a move forward in player protection the Mayo medical team have accepted that Lee Keegan should have been withdrawn as a precaution a number of minutes earlier after he suffered a possible concussion during yesterday's 118-12 to points defeat to Cork and Porky Rin now following a collision with Owen Cadigan the Corkman was immediately withdrawn however Keegan remained on, on the pitch in a statement released a couple of hours after the game management said Keegan is recovering well and will continue to be monitored over the coming days. Now, the reason I say that it could be seen as a move forward is because 
the management moved straight away in conjunction with their medical team. Well, not straight away, but a couple of hours after the game uh, to admit that they were wrong. They didn't go into conclave. They didn't hide. They just came out and said, we got this wrong. Hopefully they'll have learned and other teams in all sports will have learned from that. Uh, now, before the statement was released, off the ball, Dave McIntyre spoke to Mayo boss Stephen Rochford about the decision-making process of keeping Keegan on the field. Uh, he also spoke about the performance itself. Before we hear from Rochford, though, uh, let's hear from new Cork manager, Patter Healy. He was pleased enough with the performance, but uh, as you would expect, he's not getting too carried away. First game is always a worry. could go either way. You know yourself, after the National League, and uh, look, that's a good Mayo side. Um, look, we asked the boys for a performance. To be fair to them, they perform well, but having said that, there's still plenty of room for improvement. Times there are farmers took, took, took the wrong options. But look, um, there's plenty of room for improvement. Do you think you're a bit further down the line than Mayo? It's something I can put to Aidan O'Shea there. That you look sharper, won an awful lot of the 50-50 balls, and Mayo just seemed a bit flat, and you guys, you, were, you look really into it today. As I said, we just asked the boys for it. Look, go out there and perform and do your best, and I think they gave us that there today. Daniel Gilding started today. He hasn't played a huge amount of football from a starting position over the last couple of years. He, he looks as sharp and as lean as he ever has. He's fully fit, ready to go, it looks. Yeah, Daniel Gilding is one of the, the best footballers in the country, the best forwards in the country. Doesn't surprise me at all. Daniel Gilding didn't play so well today. He played That he played so well today. Doesn't surprise me at all. How much of a change are you looking to bring to, to the way Cork have played over the last four or five years? I know it's a, you can't read too much of into today, but... No, no, no. Look, let's see over the, over the, the league over the course of the league and we'll see then we'll go up to Donegal now it'll be different it was an open game today we'll go up to Donegal next week we'll just see what happens you know it'll, it'll take till the end of the league and need to know where we are it was a great opportunity to give young fellas there the Histons and the Luke Connollys um, and these guys good game time now good solid game time today and getting subs and giving game time and again plenty to learn plenty to learn there in the end fellas going for goals taking the wrong option stuff like that you know tight games Different story. Yeah, it was a particularly uh, tough day. Um, you know, we came up against you know uh, a Cork team. Good bit of work done. Uh, possibly a little bit more than than us, I, I'm sure. And they've all, you know, Cork have always uh, hit the ground running in the league. Um, you know, we were particularly disappointed by the performance, uh, and no doubt that that's reflective in the result as well. But look, Dave, this is this is a league. Uh, six more games to to go on it, and uh, we'll be looking to improve for next week under a difficult assignment and um, looking to try and accumulate enough points as I said from, from the very beginning to, to survive in this league I had a quick word at Aidan O'Shea there and I did mention that you kicked the last five points of the game which I know Cork were down a couple of men with the black cards and everything but it wasn't like you threw the towel in completely and Conor O'Shea kicked a couple of nice points today some good movement from Jason Doherty and Evan O'Regan in there if you're looking and scrimping for positives there were a couple out there yeah there were a couple uh, Top Brendan Harrison a uh, uh, cornerback did, did, did quite well even though Daniel Goulding had a fine game but he's a fine player uh Jerk Cafferkey at the same time um, but look it's 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 about you know in, in some ways we, we can only take whatever learnings are going to be in that that, that. Uh, we'll have to review video and, and, and see what it is and try and plan very very quickly around um, the dubs coming to town next week it's a short turnaround isn't it what's the plan for the next couple of days well the the, the, the plan now is to, to get on a bus get a bit of a, a pool job in uh, bit of food and get and get back towards Mayo and you know look it's, it's just a short turnaround 
probably train once this week and, and, and see what sort of shape we can put ourselves in for. Finally, for the, how's, how's Lee? I was surprised that he wasn't taken off after the collision with Don Carrigan. Owen was taken off immediately, and, and Lee really looked like he was struggling well, to even when he was taken off eventually. Yeah, Owen Carrigan was cut no, above, okay. above his head as well, but uh, in, in, in Lee, uh, I haven't spoken yet with, with, with Dr. Trom, um, but he was he was referring that he was fine and that, but quite clearly then with our own video analysis team and, and our own doc could, could, could notice it straight away and you know as quickly as we could get him out of the field then we could know he was communicating at the end of the game and hopefully if, if there is a concussion aspect then it's, it's something minor Do you think it, w- it was an unusual call to leave him out there given that you're trailing by 10 points at the time it's the opening game of the league the, the two points are gone obviously if it's a long on a final or something you might have another decision to make but to just err on the side of caution and get rid of him completely uh, Look I mean look, the, the, the medical team were communicating with him he was captain of the team I'm sure maybe that, that, that doubted it and maybe sometimes you know you, you look to say do you, do you mind the player for, for himself but he was responsive uh, in, 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 in the aspects that he was communicating with the doctor and once we were able to, to, to clearly notice that he wasn't or he wasn't certainly himself he was pulled okay. thanks Stephen cheers thanks Stephen this is the Rewind on News Talk I'm Oisín Langan we'll stay with that football and in Division 2 of the Alliance League Damien Comer was excellent for Galway he scored two goals as they beat Leash 312 to 110 while Tyrone Derry and Meath also enjoyed wins in that division. In Division 3, Daniel Flynn scored a stunning solo goal as Kildare overcame Westmead 2-9 to 11 points, while Clare and Offaly won and Limerick drew with Tipperary. In Division 4, Wicklow, Louth, Antrim and Wexford were all victorious. So how good were Galway and how poor were Leash in that game in Port Leash? Well, after the game, I spoke with former Galway player and Galway Bay FM analyst Dermot Blake and Midlands 103 analyst and former Leash player Peter O'Leary. We'll start with O'Leary. I thought myself, I thought the forward maybe lineup they didn't have enough scoring power maybe to, to trouble the Galway defence. Like there's a lot of there's a lot of lads up there that'll cover a lot of ground for you, but as to scoring wise they didn't really have the threat that was going to trouble that Galway defence and in that sense it left Galway that their backs were able to they were able to attack attack leash and that like it caused overlap and overlap and overlap and like Paul Conroy in the middle of the field was orchestrating things, passing the ball off lads and then he was ending up on the on the end of scores and Inside then you had Damien Comer and I was very surprised at the matchup that Leash left in there. Like David Seals new to the new to the setup and that's his first first competitive game at senior football and like, they should have known really that Damien Comer is a big, big, strong physical unit. Like and I even seen him in the championship last year against Mayo and he was just willing to get stuck in. He's just a big unit and normally in previous years Timmins would have marked you know, any lad that would have came inside, he would have marked him, and it just wasn't. But Galway, you know, they had their homework done. They had a lad, Leash's forwards dropping back, allowed them to set up in front of their full forward. And Leash had nowhere really to go with the ball. They couldn't kick it in long, and they didn't seem to have the legs in the first half really to to carry that Galway. And they, didn't, they weren't able to track them either. I suppose the second half, you can look and say, well, they changed around, got back in, got a few scores. Big plus was Gary Walsh coming on and doing the damage. Apparently, he was injured before the game in a practice match but I don't know really much about that but I wouldn't read too much into that Dermot Leash were very poor especially in the first half but look Galway can't do anything about that all they can do is play their game and that's what they certainly did their movement was excellent they were running on overlaps they were moving it short when they had to but they also kicked it in long when they had to and we saw Heaney 
I was going to say setting up the goal for Damien Comer but he kicked a long pass Comer took it turned his man stepped inside another blasted it home that was just kind of one example of Galway mixing it up Yeah Galway played to a system the difference between the two teams there in my opinion is Galway had a system uh, coming in there today they played two guys in the full forward line and a, and a guy like a triangle uh, sitting in front of them and they played long ball quick ball into Damien Comer and Adrian Fairley but uh, on the other hand then um, I just thought Leash were tactically inept they, they didn't try anything they didn't react to anything that Galway had as well with the kickouts, um, Leash tried short kickouts, and as a cornerback or ask any cornerback, the balls that the goalie was kicking out was rolling along the ground. It was playing into Galway's hands. Um, on the other side, then Galway's kickouts were pretty good. We we had Tom Flynn at, at uh, wing forward and Eddie Hoare who were coming out from the half forward line, and you had Paul Conroy and Fintan O'Curran who were dominating their area there. So Leash were getting no change, but you know you'd have to question. Uh, I don't know the, the, the Leash yeah. the, the Leash management and, and what they were doing there today because it just seemed like they didn't react or they looked like a team who, who had lost all their confidence you know yeah, yeah. Peter your old teammate Woolley who you know works with <laughs> us on off the ball like, <laughs> I can tell by the laugh you know what's coming here he has expressed doubt about the management team and today they did look a little bit green I mean they didn't change it they didn't put everyone back at a time when Galway were getting a gallop is that a worry for you going into a, a fairly tough Division 2 campaign I mean next up it's Armagh in Armagh it's, you know, it doesn't get any easier from, from today on does it? Yeah Armagh is not really the place you want to go after a performance like that but yeah will it be I suppose looking at that performance you'll have to be agreeing with them at the minute really you can you can allow for having a plan in place a set up and a structure that you want to play to and it not working out for you yeah. but when things aren't working out and it looks like you don't have any idea really what you were doing in the first half like they were dropping the two half forwards back into the middle of the field and nearly playing four across the middle of the field but that was nearly playing more into Galway's hands because they were bigger physical more physical around the, the middle of the field and I, for the first 10 minutes they won absolutely every single ball Leach couldn't even get out of their own half and they didn't even drop back in behind the 45 to try and stop the two lads inside and Galway just had all the freedom even against the wind yeah. like Leash had the wind in the first, and they, could, they didn't know what to do with it like really it, 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 tactically it was you'd have to have I'd have to agree with Uli at the minute don't you? you'd, be, you'd be having serious yeah. doubts about whether they knew what they were doing out there yeah. Dermot just before I let you go what about Galway I mean that's a, that's a good start and a good start actually can be a big deal especially in a division like this which is particularly tough yeah it is and you know as I said before the game you know this is a vital two points for Galway like we we have Tyrone next weekend and uh you know, Tyrone are a very tough team. They're, they're probably the one team in Division Two that could contest for that. You could say has a, any chance of contesting for North Ireland. So, you know, th- they're they're a big team. So th- this win is huge for Galway. Now, I mean, if we can put it up to Tyrone in, in at home, get another few points, then we can look forward to the the latter stage of the league. Because I remember last year we were playing Kildare in the last le- uh, league game, hoping to stay up in Division Two, and they were in the same boat and they went yeah. down. And you don't want that situation because you're you're, you're looking over your shoulder. For the rest of the league you don't enjoy it you can't try out a few players you can't try a few things out in systems and how you want to play so you know in that sense it's great like I mean Damien Comer and um, Adrian Verley have come of age and, and Fintan O'Curran and Tom Flynn they all played under 21 together they won All-Ireland and you can see that that uh, synergy between them they know where each other are playing they're, they're, they're very good at that Shane Welsh you'd like to see Shane Welsh coming in you know, he, he had an unfortunate accident last year yeah. but he's he doesn't look fit he's only come back there and he looked 
very rusty but if you had him in, in the triangle with with um, Adrian Verley and, and Damien Comer inside you know they, they should be very potent up, up front yeah. so hopefully going forward that's the way we can go This is the Rewind on News Talk and that's Dermot Blake and Peter O'Leary on Leash's heavy beating at the hands of Galway 312 to 110 the final score Let's hear now from Leash manager Mick Lillis on what he thinks went wrong for his side and uh, if he can correct it for next Saturday night's game against Armagh. We just didn't get out of the blocks. Um, Galway came out very strong. Um, they, they controlled the game around the middle. We, did, we couldn't seem to get a grip on the game. And uh, everything they seemed to, to, to touch turned to goal for them. All their chances came off. I don't think they had, they hardly had too many wides in that time. And, you know, it's, the, it got tougher and tougher as the, as, the, as the half went on for us. Was the temptation there when Galway had such a lightning start to bring everyone back, calm it down, just stop them from scoring? And if so, why didn't you go with that? Did you want to see how your 15 would get on against 15? Well, look, um, we, we brought a few lads back and uh, that invited them onto us. And their, their right wing back in particular, uh, we brought our wing forward back uh, on both sides and... They're just their halfbacks just cause us problems. So we, we were inviting them onto, so we tried to we tried to change that by pushing them back up front. What did you say to the lads at half time? I mean, I'm not sure if you changed tactics, but you certainly changed personnel. You emptied the bench somewhat. Yeah, we emptied the bench. Uh, the lads that came on have been working their socks off in training. Uh, they deserved their chance simply based on the fact that the lads had that started uh, weren't doing it as well as we had expected um, so look yeah we, we emptied the bench and we give other guys a chance What did those lads do in the second half that the guys who were there didn't do in the first? Well a couple of things I suppose first of all we were playing against the wind yeah. right? and sometimes it's easier to control a game against the wind if you have the fitness to do it we have the fitness to do it uh, sometimes when you're hitting long ball there's more, there, there, there's more um, room for error and you know we made plenty of mistakes our level of turnovers uh, was too high in the first half uh, our level of turnovers in the second wasn't but that's, a lot of that has to do with the conditions and keeping it short and keeping it tight and all that sort of stuff It's Armagh next up next Saturday night does what happened out there temper or change what you do for that game? No, not really um, we have what we have uh, I can't pull a, a Gucci out of the hat or I can't pull a Bernard Brogan out of the hat for next Saturday night that's just the way it is we've just got back to the drawing board get back to the field and start working on, on, on what we have and doing the best we can this is the Rewind on News Talk and that was Leash Manager Mick Lillis following their defeat to Galway still to come basketball and golf but first it's Six Nations Rugby and next Sunday Ireland open up their campaign against Wales defending champions Ireland I should say Wales coach Warren Gatland has been talking rivalry lines coaching and big money player moves with uh, off the balls Kean Murtha but first Joe Schmidt uh, reflects on the World Cup campaign and maybe some of the lessons they can take from that going in to Six Nations 2016. To get through and top our pool when um, it was going to be tough and I think you know, sometimes the pools, they lend themselves to, to some teams being a little bit fresher, uh, not taking anything away from Argentina. I thought they were super on the day but they really beat us up in the first, uh, in the first quarter of that match and after 10 minutes being 14-0 up. Uh, I, I, I thought it was fantastic. A number of our, I think we shared about 250 caps with who we lost in the French game. So uh, you know, to lose that experience and still be able to fight our way back to to make it a one-score game with 14 uh, minutes to go, um, you know, was was super. But we didn't just negotiate the end. Um, so what we've been trying to do is is uh, reflect on that, learn from from not quite negotiating the end well enough, so that. 
we have got a little bit of an improvement in experience because experience, whether it's on a sports field or in a commercial enterprise, it, it really it's it's about having been in a pressure situation before, having made a, a decision, learning that that decision was either right or wrong, and then learning from that so that you're more likely to make the right decision next time. And so that's that's effectively what we've tried to take from the World Cup, and then building on that. Um, you know, gets a little bit of fresh blood in. Um, you know, there's five new caps, uh, and there's there's a few guys who haven't played for us for quite a while. So, it, it, it'd be interesting to see how well we can gel together in a very short space of time. Minus, you know, Mike Ross, Ken Healy, Paul O'Connell, Ian Henderson, real stalwarts of our tight five. Um, you know, that, that's that's going to be a huge challenge for us. Joe, you alluded to the World Cup review there and, and the lessons you learned from the tournament and, and also the start of a new World Cup cycle. It's never really been an, an IRFU trait to kind of focus on a four-year plan, though. Um, so uh, is it fair to say that you want to keep that con- continuity as opposed to bringing in the five new players? Um, you know, it's, it's, it's funny. that People talk about a four-year cycle, yeah. and we work in a one-week cycle. You know, if, if I start talking to you about England and get fully focused on England, then we will definitely trip up over Wales and Scotland, uh, Wales and France, let alone Italy and Scotland at the end of it, you know. So uh, for us, uh, we, we have to have an eye for the future, and we are certainly watching, and there's a couple of young players, you know, a, a couple of... You know that I, I'll probably name publicly, and there's a, uh, a young man, Jack O'Donoghue, playing in Munster, who's 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 really acquitted himself well first season in at the top level, um, and he's shown fantastic resilience as well. Uh, Gary Ringrose in Leinster has acquitted himself really well, so yeah, of course we're we're keeping an eye on those guys. I, I, I've chatted to both of them. Um, Josh van der Fleer, who's come in from Leinster, another young guy who who wouldn't have been seen on the. On the uh, certainly on the international scene, there's those sort of guys coming in. Alton Delane, who 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 is another guy who's an exciting prospect for us. Those guys, uh, uh, we're building them for the future. I, I think one of the things we did two years ago, Robbie Henshaw came in and spent a whole Six Nations following Brian O'Driscoll around, and the following Six Nations, he was in a lot of people's tournament teams. Um, you know, we're hoping that we can we can continue to develop players because we've got to be keeping an eye on the future. But once we're in camp, once we are fully focused on what needs to happen, we work in weekly cycles. So a four-year cycle is is not particularly relevant. Yeah, you talk about um, players that have gone are, are players that need to be replaced. Unfortunately, Paul <laughs> O'Connell is one of them. And slightly technical question, but Paul was obviously such a totemic figure in the line-out as well and, and line-out has been so key for you uh, for Irish teams under your coaching uh, how do you think that's going to work you, do you have confidence that the likes of Devon and obviously Rory as captain will be able to uh, keep that, Gee, that working I hope so because um, you know, he did right he, he was uh, he was a colossus for us not physically necessarily and he didn't get all the line out thrown his way but you know a, a guy you didn't mention there is Pete O'Mahony he, he was so often a target for us so often the guy who got up and put pressure on opposition throws but we haven't got Pete either so you know it's unfortunate you get stung sometimes and you get one one guy who retires or gets injured and another guy who would be a natural 
not successor per se in the, in the position, but certainly a successor and able to read and, and operate the line out, mm. you kind of lose him as well. So it, I think it's a really good question because it's a question we've been asking ourselves and, and we'll be working on over the next six trainings that we've got to try to maintain that, that you know, real solidity around our set piece. Wales can celebrate. All they have to do is thump the ball off the field. Ireland will not win the Grand Slam. Wales are back in the title chase. Ireland remain in the title chase. We have had an absolute thriller. Juan, how do you see that game, uh, the opening game against Ireland? Obviously, it was a cracking match uh, last year in Cardiff, one of the best games of the championship, and you guys have built up a healthy rivalry, the two countries. Yeah, it's, it's been pretty close in, in recent years, and you know, was, we've, we've looked at the tape from last year, um, you know, particularly the way that we started, we thought we started pretty well, and then and then Ireland just uh, just wouldn't go away and kept kept knocking at the door and, and coming back at us. And and the same was in, in the the World Cup warm up game in, in Dublin as well. We thought we, again we started well, and and I had a chance to win it at the death. So you know, two teams on their day, if they're both playing well, it's it's going to be a pretty tight encounter. And uh, um, you know, I know lots been made of some senior players in the Irish squad that have. Um, retired or, or, or you know given up and um, one or two um, injuries as well but um, you know, I think there's enough strength and depth and, and obviously Joe Smith's done a, an unbelievable job in the, in the last few years in terms of moulding that team together they're going to be a tough nut to crack um, and so I think it's going to be yeah, tickets are almost like gold dust at the moment you can't get your hands on them and, and I think that's a reflection of you know two even teams that are going to go at each other and and you know, someone's going to get you know, a bounce of the ball or a decision to, to, to potentially come out on top. Because yourself and Joe have been both mentioned as potential Lions coaches in a year's time. Do you see it as a kind of a dress rehearsal in any way? Or? Oh, no, look, I don't, I don't know. I mean, that's not a decision for me. I mean, I've been lucky enough to to have been involved in the, in the last two tours, you know, to, to head up in the, the Lions in 2013. So, you know, look, I've done my time and... If, if Joe gets an opportunity, you know, he, he, I, yeah, I wish him the best. As you know, he's done a fantastic job, and I, I'd have no no problem with Joe being in charge of the Lions. I mean, you know, there, there is a small part of me who, who uh, there's a bit of trepidation even even thinking about that because you know the schedule is so tough in, in New Zealand in, in 12 months' time. So you know, to be to be involved would be fantastic. And, not to be involved, I don't, I don't think I'd lose too much sleep about over that as well. You mentioned a couple of the Irish players that are missing, like Paul O'Connell and the likes of that, but there's actually been reports that have been picked up in the Welsh media this week as well about how Irish rugby's kind of at the lowest ebb with players that are leaving because the French and English clubs are waving more money in front of them. Do you think that might leak into the build-up to the game in any way? Um, look, yeah, I mean, that's um, journalists making those comments. Not, It's not... Anything that we've said or the, the players have said, and I suppose that um, you know it's, they're in a little bit of this uh, a situation that we're very familiar with. I mean, it's the first time in I think since 1988 or something that an Irish team hasn't made the quarterfinals of Europe. You know, but we're used to doing that every year. So, uh, and then having to uh, having to put a team together to to do well in the, in competitions, and particularly the Six Nations. So. Um, you know, sometimes that you know you can put that disappointment of your um, prov- provincial form or club form behind you, and you, you think right now, now that we're in, a, in for the next couple of months as, a, as another group, then we can concentrate on 
on the national team doing well. And so it, you know, it can it can have a positive effect because it can galvanise. It can give you a different focus. And and so those players from you know, Leinster or Munster, you know, potentially disappointed with the way, not the way they're potentially going in, in Pro 12, but their season with uh, Europe, they can put that disappointment behind them and just totally focus and concentrate on, on Ireland doing well. So, you know, it can have a positive from that, that effect. This is the Rewind on News Talk, and that was Joe Schmidt and Warren Gatlin speaking to Kian Murta. A basketball now in Team Montanati Hotel Glenmire and Tempelogue captured the National Cup titles over the weekend. On Saturday evening in the men's final, Tempelogue beat Swords Thunder in a dramatic decider 78-75 if you didn't watch it on TG Carrie you can check it out on their website it's well worth a look on Sunday it was a cruise for Glenmire from start to finish they beat Parabell Colester 96-64 it's their second time in a row beating Colester in a final they have done the three in a row which is an amazing achievement and their coach Mark Scannell uh, spoke to me about that we'll hear from him in a second but first here is Temple Oaks Jason Colleen You'll know Jason. He's played all around Europe. He's played in the States. He's a very experienced player. He's a standout player. Uh, he's been reflecting on what winning a cup medal means to him and Temple Oak. Yeah, that's right. I mean, it's been a, it's a huge game. It's a bit surreal last night after the game. But uh, after thinking back about it today and coming to terms with everything, I mean, Soares played a really good game and I think we played an excellent game of basketball. The team stuck together down by 11 and only scoring you know four points in the, in the second quarter a lot of teams might have put their head down but I think uh, we, we fought back through the whole way and got a good win at the end and you had go-to excuses a lot of teams will say ah look we're missing Connor Grace who's a, a superstar Michael Bonaparte's injured ah it's not going well for us look sure it's not our fault but you didn't fall back on that how did that come about because even before the final there was maybe some doubt over you certainly I know you were carrying an injury well, the thing is, to be honest, we've been doing this since the start of the year. I mean, we, we've never had a full squad since the beginning of the season. You know, we have four potential starters, five potential starters, all injured at different times. So we've never actually played a game as a full unit. So it's, I mean, I guess we're used to it and we're used to digging deep. And uh, we trust the guys off the bench, trust whoever's on the floor at the time. And what was it like out there in the last, we'll say, three, four minutes when it really came down to... To, you know mistakes costing and, and big baskets giving a boost and the, the clutch moments one might call them yeah well that, that's the time when you want to be on the floor I mean you play basketball long enough they're the times when you want to be on the floor you want to be the one getting fouled and shooting the free throws and I think our guys really stepped up at the end and they were it was, they were happy they were excited to be on the floor and that, that all showed on the, during the game I believe and it was fantastic for Temple Oak as a basketball entity because at the top level they're very very new and they really do get into the community and it was fantastic I saw a, a Twitter message from uh, St. Jude's GA Club wishing you luck and everyone was behind you and it really mobilised the area yeah oh big time I mean like we said three years ago Temple Oak was our first year in the Premier League they went 1-17 and now three seasons later to, to win in a cup final is just, it's just unbelievable you know and it's full credit to the club and full credit to the community and the fans they have a really tight group and we, we truly believe that we have the best fans in the league it doesn't matter where we play there's, there's that we have that atmosphere in nearly every game and you have Mark Keenan as well the best coach oh yeah we definitely have Mark Mark's done it now with three different clubs and Amazing. yeah he's, he's proven now at this stage you know look you've worked with a lot of guys around Europe and in America what is it about Mark because he does have a talent there is something special about him yeah I mean Mark is great there is, like you said there is something special he, there's no ego there you know he has he's assembled 
a core group of Temple Oak guys who have come up through the ranks together and he's brought in a number of other players like myself, Connor, Paul Cummins, Mike and so on and he trusts the guys you know you come into practice sometimes and, and Mike might be taking part of the practice or Connor or Paul might be going through defences with the team and, that. and Mark, Mark will take a back seat to that you know there's no ego he trusts he trusts the guys that he has around him and, and that really shows Mark Scannell the perfect storm from your team here to capture a third National Cup title in a row 96-64 you beat Colester by amazing stuff yeah they were brilliant today you know, I just had a feeling all week it was spot on, you know, the way they train, the way they push one another, the focus, the intelligence today offensively from them is just something that they deserve. They deserve everything, you know, they, they, they shut out all the options down defensively and then what I loved about today was usually we, we build on our defence but today our offence just took off. Now we weren't as, as thorough in the second half but when you're so far ahead you're trying to just see the game out. But, um, you know, a complete performance. As good as I've seen in the arena in the first half by any team and any co- in any in any men's and women's, it was total performance in the first half. <laughs> Did you get the sense this was coming? Because we spoke after the semi-final and I got the sense from you that you thought your team hadn't really hit their peak this season yet. No, that's, that's what they're very good at. They're very good at coming to play at the right times. The experience shows true. Mary Breen today, growing in the wire, you know, or America Chantel Alford took some time to settle. But, you know, really the experience today just showed but you're right in what you're saying and like since Niamh got injured the team has been focused on doing it for her it's been almost like an extra added incentive she deserves it she's took us over the line so many times and today they did it for her you know and there was no there was nobody there that wasn't focused on the job in hand and um, you know I tell my hat off and it's easy to coach this team when they play like that you know we have our ups and downs but you know they, they, they really come to practice every night and when they tune in to what we're trying to do you saw it there today and let's put it in context Nia Dwyer being out for you is like Messi being out for Barcelona well yeah she's 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 won so many games she's been MVP so many times in this that you know it's just it's just phenomenal and it's a great credit to the girls it's a great credit to the girls to be uh, to be able to do that for her you know but she's been great around the team around the locker room the last couple of weeks and um, she's been a great help to me and uh, she's never let her own situation deter what we're trying to do as a team I know the club has done it before but what does it mean to you as an achievement to win three cup titles in a row I mean it's it's phenomenal when you think about it has it kind of hit you yet well I think the one thing that like if this was in any other sport I mean they talk about the cock ladies footballers who have been superb the last few years this team has has played in the last nine cup finals we haven't won them all but we played in them you know and like that's a phenomenal achievement you know and to win six out of nine in the last nine years is just an, an amazing achievement and you know they deserve all the credit go on your, go on your door cup champion yet again how does that feel yeah it's um, pretty amazing like it's it's a bit surreal and you know to be honest I don't think uh Collector, like in the first half turned up today, they proved that they are still a very strong side in the second, but I just think our team performance today throughout like throughout the season we've had people that stepped up but today was pretty amazing and I'm so proud to play in this cup final with the girls tonight it was just an amazing team performance. You were really in the zone right from the start. How did you achieve that? Look, we've done our work on them. Um, we played them at the start of the season up here in the arena and you know, they, they took advantage of the beaters by seven, you know, and they played really well. They shot the lights out. We played no health side defence on that day and we just knew coming into this if we didn't stop their American, like, I mean, fantastic player. I think, I'm not sure what she ended up, like, she pretty much scored half their scores tonight, you know, and fair play to her. But we knew if, we, if she was going to go off and when we kept everyone else's single figures, you know, we could do it. We've got health side defence and... Um, 
we stopped them shooting your sister obviously has been missing and Mark Scanlon I've just spoken to him he said that was a factor in this performance she helped out she was there she was supporting everyone but there was a real drive to do this for her yes players have their own reasons but that was also a factor yeah I know um, you know it's pretty emotional like for me the fact that like leaves out being my sister and you know she's given so much to the club over the years and even this season you know she had a big game in our quarterfinals averaging like scoring 30 points to get us to the semis and you know I was delighted for her today and for the girls to perform so well um, and for us to get our fifth gold medal that's an amazing achievement and three in a row as well and by the way uh, 35 points was what the Colester American yeah. scored you know it was pretty impressive by her 35 points in a cup final alone is amazing but like I said you know we've got the gold medal around our next night three in a row that's quite an achievement and I know it's been done before by this club but to do it again it's pretty yeah, amazing yeah it's it's, it is pretty surreal, you know, and the standard, I feel the standard of the league has gone up so much and, you know, things are going great. But I just think when it comes to big games and it comes to finals, we just know how to win. And we don't like to lose. That's the other side of it. I think, you know, we like winning. We know how to win. And, you know, you don't get sick of winning. Ronnie Dwyer and before her coach Mark Scannell following Team Montanotti Hotel, Glenmire's Cup final win over Colester. It's golf now on the Rewind here on News Talk and uh, Paul Dunn played on the PGA Tour over the weekend while his housemate Gary Hurley is kind of getting used to being a professional. He's just got his career underway. He had a great 2015. It saw him feature on that Walker Cup winning team and he did pretty well in various amateur tournaments. Well, recently the West Waterford club player succeeded Neve Briggs as the Park Hotel Waterford Sportsperson of the Year. That's an award he shared with athlete Tom Barr. I've been speaking to Hurley about... A great year in the amateurs, but um, also about the pressure that being a pro brings and the fact that he's now doing this for a living. Yeah, yeah, we try not to think about the, the money and the livelihood. You just try to play golf as if I played it when I was an amateur. But um, The golf doesn't change. The golf courses don't change. The competition just gets a little bit, I wouldn't say better, just more um, stacked. So uh, at the top of the leaderboard, it might be a lot closer than it would have, be, would have been on an amateur event. Um, so yeah the only thing different is maybe off the course you have to manage yourself by yourself maybe you have a couple of guys helping you but you, you have to make sure that you're happy with what they're doing for you yeah. whereas when you're an amateur like the golf union of Ireland were brilliant, were brilliant to all of us coming up through the ranks as you've seen our, the Irish national coach Neil Manship got a, a, a coaching award there this year um, so he, he coached us on the national teams coming up so they do do a great job and they even the p- people in the background in the GUI office, like they take care of a lot of stuff that we don't even think about when we travel. Um, we don't even, we don't even have to print off boarding passes or nothing. They do everything for us. But now you kind of have to do that yourself. Is that the stuff that kind of catches you? Not it doesn't catch you, but like it's the stuff that you don't do before that now is kind of a little bit a little bit new. Does it kind of clutter your mind though? Because I always hear golfers talking about wanting to stay focused, stay clear. Um, well, you try to get it organized early, yeah. and so that when the time comes, you're clear. So. Not really, in that sense. But so, yeah. Yeah. You live with Paul Dunn. Is that a good or a bad thing? Because I suppose it, it might lead to obsessing about the game, obsessing about golf, and you look at his results and he look at yours, and you're both maybe picking each other's games apart. Or, or does it work like that? Um, well, as not, myself, Paul, and Jack Hume live in the house with us as well. Um, it does, yeah. We feed off each other. We, um, me and Jack, last week now, we've been down the range a bit, and uh, we kind of help each other out. Um, take videos of each other's swings and stuff like that we're great we're really good friends like so we get on really well and we root for each other all the time so the success of another doesn't really 
you know, you, you're happy for them, but yeah. you really want, it really gives you something extra. Like, I want to I want to get that, I want to get to that level. It doesn't pressurise, does it? No, not at all. I don't think so. Not me, anyway. Um, as far as I'm concerned, I'm concentrated on my goals. I'm happy for what everyone else is doing because they're my friends. I'm really happy for how they're getting on and I hope they keep keep getting better. But I just want to try and keep improving every year. And if I keep doing that, I believe then I will make it. Maybe, hopefully sooner rather than later, but if I keep improving, I'll make it. And I guess the aim is to get on the, 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 the full tour. You're going on the Challenge Tour, but as you say, you can play your way on to a full European tour card without necessarily having to go to Q school which is which is very tough as you, as you know yourself from your attempt just before Christmas there you can you can but I don't ha- actually have a category on the challenge tour I have only invites so I'll have yeah. to play my way onto the tour first and then try and worry about getting into the top 15 at the end of the year but they're all that's all a, um, an, out, an outcome yeah. goal like you can't really yeah. I try to concentrate on process and what's happening now and what I can do now to in the future yeah. in the summertime when it comes down to that will help me so I'm just trying to concentrate on what I'm doing now and trying to plan my next couple of months as good as I can Is there any particular golfer out there at the moment that you look up to that you kind of look at and say you know I'm kind of similar to that either mentality or play wise Shane Lowry Rory McIlroy or Jordan Spieth anyone out there in the world? Um, similar to I, I don't really know because yeah. you don't really know I don't know any I know. I, I kind of know Shane like I, I, I talk to him if I met him but um, um, I don't really know they're, they're what they're thinking, but yeah. um, uh, I admire, I really admire Shane for what he's doing in, in the game. Like he's he's an exceptional talent, and he really, he works hard. People don't see actually how hard he does work off the course. Um, so it's it's great to see him this year winning the World Golf Championship. Like that had everybody who follows golf at a high level in Ireland on their toes, and yeah. um, it was just yeah, he'd be one of my my admire people I'd admire yeah. in in Irish golf and stuff and. Rory and Harrington, obviously, yeah. as they came through the Paddy Harrington Golf Scholarship yeah. in Maynooth, So I can only imagine what the scenes would be like in West Waterford Golf Club if you yeah. won a tournament. I mean, I saw Clara, I so West Waterford, you've got to, you've got to, you've got to up it. Oh. They've really up, put the, the watermark up I there, know. haven't they? I know. <laughs> yeah, it could be, could be dangerous, but it could be worth it. <laughs> this is the rewind on News Talk, and that was Gary Hurley, who is beginning his pro career. Well, that's it for this week. Don't forget, next week, the Premier League is back. We'll reflect on a busy weekend and we look back on Ireland against Wales in the RBS Six Nations, as well as the Alliance National Football League round two. Uh, off the ball, with you every night this week, Monday to Friday from 7 to 10. They're on air this Saturday at 1 and this Sunday from 12. Until next week, I'm Oisín Langan. Take care. Good luck. Rewind with Oisín Langan. 